Happy holidays. Just kidding. Merry Christmas. <laughs> okay. Um, I am stoked about today. I love Christmas. I don't know. I'm, I'm still that little kid that can't wait for Christmas morning. That's still me. I still love Christmas, still love the lights, love everything about it. But the meaning is what means more to me than anything. So it's funny. Um, I prepared four messages. Four for today. And the one I'm going to use actually came to me at 6 a.m. this morning. I'm like, thanks, God. That could have come on Tuesday. That would have been really nice. But anyway, uh, today we celebrate the greatest gift ever given, and that's the birth of Jesus Christ. And it gets lost in some of the commercialism and stuff, but it's always alive in the hearts of those who have been redeemed, and I'm so thankful for it. And I know you've probably heard the Christmas story many, many times over the years. Uh, But today I want to take a look at some important details maybe you haven't really heard before. Now don't take me wrong, I'm I'm not going to reinvent the wheel here or anything like that. Uh, And for you... Christmas traditionalists, I will cover the whole story, and everybody out there is going, great, he's going to bore the mistletoe out of us now, but it's, it's not like that, I promise it's not like that, but um, there's just a fresh look I want, to, want you to take a look at today. You know, I think the info we're going to have today will help enhance what you think about the Christmas story, I really do, uh, because I love how God always ties scriptures together and makes them all link. I love that, uh, because it's kind of like he's gift wrapping it for us. So I titled the message Gift Wrap today, uh, and I think the more you realize about uh, the things that really happened at this birth, the more you'll appreciate it. So let's jump right in. Now, as you all know, before Jesus was born, Joseph and Mary both had a divine encounter. And by divine encounter, I mean they both had a meeting, a personal meeting with an angel, both of them, and both of them received big news. Now, Mary was told that despite being a virgin, she was pregnant And not just pregnant, pregnant with the Savior of the world, which would have been a lot to take at that time. Let's look at this. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 26. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at that statement and kept pondering what kind of situation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Now, imagine being basically a teenager, being a virgin and hearing this message. I know a lot of times we over-spiritualize it and we think that she was ready for that. And she was like, yes, Lord, I'll take it. But that's not how it was. I mean, this, was, this had to be, I mean, a blessing. She had to feel honored. But it also had to be a little fearful for her. Because... Now she had to explain to Joseph how she was pregnant, but didn't cheat on him. And I know everybody thinks that it wasn't that way back then, but I mean, times were different back then, but not that different. If, someone, if, you're, if your fiancé came to you and said, I'm pregnant, and you knew it wasn't you, that was still a problem back then. And it was a problem for him, you know, and she was really nervous about that, but she knew she had uh, to tell him that. Now... Back then, a betrothal was like our version of an engagement, but much more serious, much more serious. Because back then, uh, once you were betrothed, you were as bound as if you were married. 
As a matter of fact, if you wanted to break off an engagement, you had to get a divorce. That's how, that's how bound you were. And, you know, just as she feared when she went in and said, hey, I know this is going to be tough to believe, but I'm pregnant. But don't worry, I'm still a virgin. <laughs> Can you imagine what he was saying, what he was thinking? And, and it, it bothered him, so he wanted to divorce her, but he wanted to do it quietly, meaning he didn't want uh, to put her to shame. Because he did, you know, despite her situation, he still loved her. Uh, and he cared about her. And at that time, breaking a betrothal with infidelity had serious consequences. It could even lead to her death. So he wanted to, be, to do it quietly, you know. But Joseph, before he had the chance to end the relationship, he too had a visit from an angel. Let's look at this. Matthew 19, starting in verse 18. It said, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with a child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been, uh, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord uh, through the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means what? God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So, I mean... We read through this really quickly, but imagine how scandalous this would have been. I mean, just imagine for a second, accepting this, what Joseph heard, accepting this and being willing to marry her would have been scandalous. And like I said, times didn't change that much. People would have been talking. I mean, from the barber shop in Jerusalem to the beauty shop in Nazareth, they would have been talking about this couple because this would have been huge at that time. But it was more important to them that they, that they accomplish God's will than they worry about what people had to say or think about them. So they went on to accomplish God's will. But after they both understood their situation, they married and awaited Jesus' birth. Now let's look at Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census was to be taken of all the inhabitants of the earth. This was the first census taken while Canarius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the, uh, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, uh, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes. Now, you know, some of your Bibles will say swaddling cloths. That's actually accurate. So they wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him at the inn. Okay, now, not long after being married, okay, I'm assuming right around nine months, but not long after being married, Joseph and Mary traveled to Bethlehem for the census, okay? And while they were there, Jesus was born. And it was difficult circumstances that he was born into. But I don't know if you've ever noticed this, God loves to work during challenging situations, he always does. Whenever things seem impossible to us, whenever things seem challenging to us, I think God likes to work in those because he wants us to know that what we are afraid of, what we see as difficult, what we see as impossible is possible to him. And what we see as a problem is no problem to him. 
So this was the perfect situation for him to work in. But because of this census, Bethlehem was full of travelers, and all the lodging was scarce, and most of them were full. Kind of like Indianapolis when the Colts play. Okay, bad example. But um, so, so since there was no hotels to stay in, uh, they had to stay in a manger. And this is where Jesus was born. Now, here's where things start to get a little different probably from what you've heard. Okay, contrary to the common nativity scenes we've all seen, how many people know, have seen a nativity scene just in the last month? I mean, they're still pretty popular, right? Okay, and what do you see in those? You see three what? Wise men. See, if our government was to send out three wise men, they'd be in trouble. They couldn't find them, right? But they always show three wise men, which ironically, they, weren't, they were not at the manger because the wise men came when he was a toddler. So there were no wise men at the manger, okay? Then you see the shepherds there. That's accurate. The shepherds were there. Okay, that's something that was accurate. But this manger wasn't a normal manger, this manger was actually more like a cave that they had used as a manger. And I'll explain all this later. I know it'll, it'll make sense later. But it wasn't the normal manger at that time. It was actually a cave that they had, they had you know, built up to use uh, for the birthing of animals. And I'll explain that here in a little bit. So it was actually set up and used like a manger, but it wasn't really a manger. Now, because Jesus being born in a manger was you know, obviously odd, and most people didn't understand it, uh, but there was a purpose for it. God, this was no accident that he was born here, okay? Because this was God's way of starting to paint a picture for the world about who Jesus was. Here he is being born in a place where the sheep are being born, where the animals are being born. And actually, this place was where the sacrificial lambs were to be born. And I, like I said, I'll explain that later. But God was trying to tell everybody, this isn't just a normal birth. This is my son. This is the Lamb of God, born in the same area where the sacrificial lambs are born. We'll, we'll explain that here in a minute. So let's, let's move on to the shepherds. Luke chapter 2, starting verse 8. It says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around him. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes or cloth, or cloth uh, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth Peace among men with whom he is pleased. Now, these shepherds were not your normal shepherds. And if you, if you research this, these shepherds were actually what's called Levitical shepherds. Okay, Levitical shepherds. And here's what Levitical shepherds did. They were chosen and trained to care for the sheep that were to be used as sacrificial lambs. That was their job. They had to watch over these lambs that were to be sacrificed. And it was a very important job because they had to remain unblemished. A normal shepherd had to watch over his sheep. These Levitical shepherds had to doubly watch over those sheep because they couldn't allow anything to happen to them. And so they were trying to keep them you know, spotless and blameless. So the special training was really about observing and being cautious is what it was. So when the mother's sheep was about to have a baby. I don't know what that's called. I'm not a farmer. 
little sheep, we'll say. Anyway, when they're about to have a baby, they would take them to a special place that was designated for the sacrificial lambs to give birth to other sacrificial lambs. It was a manger that was built out of a cave. That's where they would take the mothers of the sacrificial lambs to birth these lambs. Okay, this is where it starts to get really cool. I'm starting to get goosebumps. Okay, this cave was completely sterile because they didn't want anything happening to it. Uh, and it had been cleaned, right, so that these sacrificial lambs wouldn't have anything to worry about, wouldn't catch anything. But once one was born, a newborn baby sheep, they would immediately wrap it in swaddling cloths. Immediately. To keep it from getting uh, injured or bitten by anything or to keep it from bumping into anything that had to remain spotless. So they would wrap it in swaddling cloths. Do you see where I'm going with this? You starting to follow this? This is just amazing to me. And so um, they did this, like I said, to protect them. So these special shepherds were tending to a special flock when this angel appears. Now they had inside track knowledge that a lot of people didn't have, right? And this angel announced the birth of the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world. And Levitical shepherds understood the significance of that swaddling cloth. They understood that. When he said, you will find him in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths, immediately he said, this is the Messiah, because only sacrificial lambs are wrapped in those swaddling clothes in that specific manger. So the Messiah God has been promising us for centuries has now been born. We got to go see him. They immediately understood who this was and what this was. And that's how they knew exactly where to go. They knew exactly where to go. The angel didn't say, listen, turn on your GPS, right? The angel didn't give them directions. They knew exactly where to go. Look at this, Luke 2.15. It says, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem uh, then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. So the angel of the Lord actually didn't have to tell them where to go. He told them where to go when he said he was wrapped in swaddling cloths. They knew there's only one place that you take a sacrificial lamb to be born. And it was in that specific manger, in that specific town, which was a town called the city of David, the king. And they knew the Messiah was going to be born there because the Bible told us it would. The scriptures and the prophets said it would, said that the Messiah would be born there and that he would sit on the throne of David. This angel painted a beautiful picture that these shepherds understood. And that was, this truly is the Son of God. I think this is so amazing. Now, you notice it says that they were talking to Mary uh, and she pondered those things in her heart. I believe that the things they told her were affirmation to her that this is the Son of God. They were saying, do you know where you are? All those ends being full was not an accident. The fact that the census took place and traveling had tripled at this time was no accident because God knew where the sacrificial lambs have to go to be born. And the greatest and last sacrificial lamb of all time will be born here. You have just given birth to the final sacrificial lamb 
that will ever be born. And his name is Jesus. And the angels told us about him. And the stars led us. We followed them. And a choir of angels appeared, singing, praising God for the birth of your son. Because your son will reign on high for eternity. Your son will save people from their own sins. And I can't imagine how heavy the hearts were of these shepherds, of Mary, of Joseph. Because listen, up to that time, sin reigned. You had to make atonement for your sin every year. You couldn't have permanent atonement. You had to make atonement every year. Every year, you had to sacrifice the perfect unspotted lamb that would cover you for one year. The Bible says in Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Life and blood are linked. You can live without food. You can live without water. I don't know about without Jim's pizza, but you can live without food and you can live without water. But you can't live without blood. You take that out of your body, that's your last day, right? So blood represents life. And the Bible tells us in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. So sin represents death. So every year they had to cover the death that sin brought into their life with the life-giving force of the unspotted lambs. And that blood would cover their sins. But here's the problem. Those lambs were going to die. They were not eternal. So that blood could not cover them eternally. They would have to go every year and make that sacrifice. Until the day that the eternal, unspotted Lamb of God was born into the world and wrapped in those swaddling cloths. Because when his blood was shed and someone applied it to their life, their sins, past, present, and future, are covered forever. You don't have to do it over and over and over again. And to me, maybe this, I don't know, this weighs heavy on me. Because when I think of the death, the birth, and the, and, and the life, and the death of Christ, I think of how sinful I am. And I think, what would I have done if I didn't have a spotless lamb of God willing to shed his blood to cover my sin. Because all of you may stop sinning once you became a Christian. I did not. All of you may have been good choir going church kids when you were growing up. I was not. And if it wasn't for the spotted, unspotted, unblemished lamb of God, there'd been no hope for me. None. So Christmas has a special meaning to me because I don't look at the presents. I don't look at all this, you know, I love all that stuff, don't take me wrong, but all I think about is the day that I was driving home in my truck after listening to a sermon and understanding half of it, because I didn't know anything about the Bible like most people do. I didn't know squat about it. I found myself crying over verses I did not understand. Somebody explain that to me. And on my way home, after this, this evangelist shared Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 with me, which is why I share it with you all the time. On my way home, he said, you know, the reason he was born, the reason he lived a sinless life, and the reason he allowed himself to die was so that people who felt hopeless like you could have hope in him. So I didn't even know how to pray. I remember driving on my way home, and I said, God, I don't know what to say. I mean, I was just being real. I didn't know what to say. 
I said, I don't know what I'm supposed to say here. I don't know the handshake. Here's what I know. I don't want to get out of this truck the same man who got into it. And if that means you have to take this truck off the road and take my life, you can have it. Just don't let me get out of this truck the same man who got in it. And the burden was lifted. So when I think about Christmas, that's what I think about. That's what means something to me about Christmas. I'm going to move on or I'm not going to get it done. <clears throat> so we're going to fast forward a little bit here. Okay, there was one proclamation made by angels that said, this is the Lamb of God. They didn't have to say that verbatim. The shepherds were Levitical shepherds. They understood it. They knew it was the unspotted Lamb of God. They knew that was the final sacrifice to be offered. Now let's fast forward, right? Because here's the last time that had to be announced, right? I, I love this. And the last time it was going to be announced was by the last prophet the Bible speaks of. John the Baptist, look at this, John chapter 1, starting in verse 19. said, so this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent, him, sent to him the priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you a prophet? And he answered, no, which he was. <laughs> Then they said to him, Who are you? So that we may give you an answer, so that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him and said, Why then are you baptizing if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But among you stands one, notice that's capitalized, stands one, and I lost my place, stands one whom you do not know. I love this. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. <laughs> The next day, he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, what? Behold, the Lamb of God who, what? Takes away the sins of the world. This wasn't the first time that announcement was made. We talk about this announcement all the time, and we love that John the Baptist said it, but the angels that spoke to the Levitical shepherds were the first one to make that announcement. Just only the shepherds understood. He says that takes away the sins of the world. Verse 30, he says, this is he on behalf of whom I said, after me comes a man uh, who has higher rank than I, for he existed before me. See, John was well thought of by the people. And a lot of people go, uh, are we sure that's not Jesus? Are we sure that's not the Messiah? I don't know. He's pretty powerful. And he says, listen, once and for all, I'm not the Christ, but he's here. He's been walking among you, and you've been too religious to see him. He's been walking among you for years, and you've been too religious to see him. He's been performing miracles. You've been too religious to see him. But there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And when John announced that, 
I hate to use this, but this was really the proverbial real reason for the season. I am so sorry I had to use that. But this is why we celebrate Christmas. This is it. Because Christmas is when we celebrate the lamb wrapped in swaddling cloths who was born to die for the sins of the world. But as believers, we should be celebrating this every day of the year. Every day of the year. And I'm telling you, Christmas, my hope every Christmas is that it will introduce you to why we do this. That you'll get to know the Savior that we're celebrating and that he will change your life and that you will become a new person just like I did. Because that's, in honesty, there's all kinds of people battling out there who have nothing better to do. You know, about, well, Jesus wasn't born in December. Listen, anytime you want to celebrate Jesus, go ahead. I don't care what month it is. And if you want to fight about it, you need to find something else to do. Right? Oh, we shouldn't have Christmas trees because it's pagan. Listen, call it whatever you will. If it's celebrating the birth of Jesus, light them up, boys. You know? This time of year shouldn't be about that foolishness. You know what it should be about? The birth of the one born to die. The last unblemished, unspotted, Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. It's almost like the angels were telling the shepherds, let me show you what God has gift-wrapped for you. The greatest present ever given was wrapped up in that manger. I promised I'd stay brief, and I'm gonna. But I want to tell everybody Merry Christmas. And it's my prayer that you go home with a little different perspective about why we do what we do. So that you go home and realize that this is one of the greatest chances you'll ever have to share Jesus. One of the greatest chances. You know, um, here I go. You know, one of the things, <laughs> one of the things that always bothers me is people say, oh, I need to get more money to get presents so my kids can have a Christmas. From the moment Jesus was born and the announcement was made, nothing was going to stop Christmas, right? And it doesn't matter what you buy your kids. The biggest gift ever purchased was purchased on the cross at Calvary when he shed his blood. And there, you can't buy that at the mall. You can't buy it on Amazon. <laughs> That's a whole other story. I'm not going to preach on that. But you can't buy it there. It's already been purchased. And it's always wrapped up and waiting for you to open it. And there's no better way to describe salvation than a gift. Because listen, when I was a kid and I came down the stairs and ran to that tree, I never looked to my mom and said, what ritual do I have to do to open this present, mother? What pageantry do we have to celebrate before I open this? I didn't come down the stairs and say, dad, what do I owe you? I went down the stairs and anyone in my way was a liability. They got checked by a seven-year-old with passion. And whatever was under that tree with my name on it, it was going to be a wrapping tear fest thrown everywhere. I mean, you ever see the kids that like fold their wrapping? Nerds, tear it up. Take it. So when they said that it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast, Ephesians 2.9. What he was saying is the present is under the tree. Take it and forever you'll be changed.
that one gift. Okay, I mean it. I'm going to close this time. I mean, I'm going to ask you to please bow your heads. If this is your first time, we always like to give an invitation, and especially today. You know, the stress and all the things that we've added to Christmas, I want you to wipe that out of your mind. I want you to think of the gift that has already been given almost 2,000 years ago. And if you have never accepted that for your own, you don't have to be good enough to accept it. You don't have to be religious enough to accept it. You don't have to have the right name. You don't have to make so much money. You just have to believe that it's yours and open it and it will be yours. So if someone here who'd like me to pray for them, listen, I don't, whatever the cause may be, just make eye contact with me, put your head right back down. Bless those people. Bless those people. Bless those people. I'll be praying for you and I really do pray for those people. If you're watching, listening online, bless those people. I will, God knows your heart and we will be praying for you. And believers, my one prayer for us today is I want us to be excited about Jesus like it's Christmas every day. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for today and for what it represents. Lord, there's so much debate about when he was born, and I don't care. I'm just glad that he was born. I'm glad that you sent your son to live a sinless life and die innocently on that cross for people like me. And I'm so thankful that all we have to do is believe. I'm so glad we don't have to be good enough because I'd have never made it and neither would anyone else. I'm thankful that you made it to where all we have to do is believe that what Jesus did was enough to guarantee our eternal life. And if we believe that, we'll have it. If someone makes that decision today, God, I just pray that they contact us. We want to begin this walk, this journey with them. But God, for those of us who are believers, we get so involved in so many things that don't matter. And it takes a day like today to remind us what really matters. And what really matters is your son. What really matters is the love that Jesus revealed to the world when he was willing to die for us. Let us get excited about that again and be passionate about that again so that people will feel our passion and excitement and see you and hear you and be drawn to you. Father, we thank you for everything you do. We just pray that as we leave here, keep us safe. Let Jesus always be on our mind. And if you don't return to take us home before we meet again, let us come together one more time and give you all the praise, honor, and glory so worthy of. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.